0: say the game is getting old, Monday morning and your coffee's cold, life is not what you want Hello to everyone play. and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh man, oh man, this is going to be such an amazing show. I know I, every week I say, oh, it's going to be a great show, it's going to be amazing. They are, okay? But but then you know a topic comes at me and I get re-inspired because um, Denise Blank is going to join us again. She wrote this book called River Logic: Tools to Transform Resistance and Create Flow in All of Our Relationships. And l- let me tell you what we're doing. You know, I brought her back um, because I, I we both listened to the previous show that we were on and we thought it was pretty good. You know, you can go back and you listen, we thought it was a pretty good show. But here's here's what started to dawn on me um, as we were as I was re-looking at the book again. And it was that so often in our business relationships, especially if you're a leader, um, but even not, and, and, and even in our personal relationships, we have difficulties with people who don't think like we do. And that puts angst into the conversation. And so often what happens and i just said this to denise before the show started i i get the sense that so often we're in conversation and we're just waiting for somebody to say the wrong thing so that we can pounce on them and say see that's who you are and and that's not the world that denise and i want to live in denise and i want to live in a world where yes we can openly disagree but we don't have to lose the relationship. The relationship can remain intact. We could still communicate with each other in an effective way where we could still be productive. We could still be efficient. We could still be effective. And we could still care about one another without absolutely having to agree on every single thing. That's the world I want to live in. And, and and even though Denise has not openly said it, she's nodding her head like she agrees with that's the world she'd like to live in too.
1: Absolutely.
0: And is there a way to do that? And and the answer is yes. And, and, and you go, well, the, the book's named River Logic. Yeah, well, she uses the analogy of the river to help us understand how we can communicate better with, with each other. If you've never been on a river right, running the rapids, right? It doesn't take long to get that analogy in your head. Things can get a little sticky pretty quick. How do you navigate that? Isn't that what our communication is? Isn't it navigating communication so that we can actually maintain the relationship, still be effective, still be productive, and still have a relationship at the end of it where we can bring the canoe or the kayak to shore, Right and and still be at peace. I don't know. I think so, and I think Denise does too. I matter mean, of fact, I know Denise does. She wrote the book. So we're going to talk about we're going to talk work through that today uh, in the book. And and but before we do that, let's do we do every week, right? Well, the truth of the matter is, every week I walk you through your four part person, right? Your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual person. And the truth of the matter is. We are four-part people, and if we're not working on each one of these areas, uh, we're not growing. And you know my philosophy, if we're not growing, we're dying because we never stay static, which is the truth. And so what I have you do is evaluate yourself on a scale of one to ten. One being, ugh, boy, that's pretty bad. And then ten being, oh, man, that is awesome. By the way, whatever your number is in each one of these, even if it's ugh, okay? And I don't know how to spell that. Otherwise, I would spell it for you. But whatever that is, right? I don't want you to go, man, I'm 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 doomed. That's no 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 no. Whatever your number is, even if it's low, that's your starting point to improve. Right? That's your place to find your new direction. All right, so let's take the physical area. Scale went to ten, five being average. How would you say you're doing exercise, eating right, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep? Doing what to do to take care of your body. A scale went to ten. Five being average, what would you say, right? Okay. You got okay, you got that number? Right. so if you're a real low number, right, what you're thinking is, okay, I'm a two. well, I'm a two. I haven't really taken care of my body, you know. Okay, so I'm a two. What can I do different? What can I change right now? What what can I do? Right, is it put down the bag of chips? Stop drinking sodas. Maybe get rid of the fast food diet. What is it? Right, you can change something. Right, if you're a higher number, regardless of what you're at. You know it's a little tougher because you're doing probably most of the right things, but you got to tweak it a little bit to improve it because this is this is a journey, okay. So that's your first number. Second number is the mental intellectual number, right? Truth of the matter is we're right brain left brain people, right? We have two halves of the brain. Those brains need to be worked on all the time. The right brain is that creative side. And the left brain is our logical side, and we've got to be working on that. We've got to find ways that we're exercising the brain. We have to grow on our wisdom and knowledge and understanding of what we do. Um, and, and how we do it and, and and that can include our personal lives and our and our professional lives right what a great way to do that is read a book that's a great way that enhances both both halves but you, there's other things you do right I mean you read a book you can also take up a foreign language that'll help you grow both halves of the brain right doing the right thing so a scale of 1 to 10 how would you say you're doing alright so that's your second number third number It's the emotional number, right? Real simple. How well are you able to control your emotions under stress and pressure, like even when you're hangry? And then two, how well are you able to tap into and really understand the emotions of another human being? Ooh, right? You'd say, you think the first one's hard, the second one's tough, right? Because that means that you actually have to, oh, Denise is going to talk about this too, listen, really listen. You got to be present to do that, and then you have to have the emotional vocabulary to deal with it. Because if you're going to get through the rapids of a tough conversation to communicate, well, you're going to have to have a vocabulary. So on a scale of one to ten. How you say you doing there? And then finally, the spiritual area. And you know, I, I, you know, spiritually, here's the thing: spiritually, uh, we we we're all spiritual. But we all have faith. In something, right? If you take a sip of coffee and you did because you believed it wasn't poisonous, that's kind of faith. If you push the button on your car believing it was going to start, that's faith. If you made plans for the future at all, that's faith. If you saw the stop, saw the stoplight sign with the hand that says walk and you believe that people are not still going to drive across that red light, that's faith, right? The fact of the matter is we all live by faith in everything that we do. It is what we do. But beyond that, the other thing is, is that, you know, what brings you back to centeredness and peace in the midst of chaos? Right? Yeah. I mean, is it God? Is it nature? Is it meditation? Is it something else? And then the question you have to ask yourself, is is it working? So on a scale of one to 10, how would you say your spiritual life is doing? Those four areas are like the air and the tires of your car. And the area, in the t- if you think about it, if one tire is a little low, what happens? The car veers, it's harder to drive, it makes things harder to steer. If all four tires are too low over the course of time, you're going to ruin the car. Well, speaking of someone who's got her tires all to the right height, her name is Denise Blank and she's a trained as a mediator, facilitator, emotional intelligence coach. She's also a teacher of uh, somatics. Um, she's the founder of River Logic Partners, a leadership coaching and consulting firm that support leaders and teams around issues of communication, conflict, and change. Uh, with the foundational belief that strong leadership requires candor, courage, and compassion, she teaches skills to tackle tough conversations while also creating cultures of high trust. She helps others to build deeper and more meaningful connections, even across their wide differences. Um, and her book, uh, River Logic uh, Tools to Transform Resistance and Create Flow in Elbow Relationship, is her journey and research thus far using the metaphor of the river and qualities of water as our teacher, all with the hope of creating a world where we have more self-awareness, civility, and openness with each other. And I, I uh, totally agree with her. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back, and welcome back to A New Direction, Denise Blank. Denise, welcome back to, welcome back to the show. Thank
1: you, Jay. Thank you,
0: Jay. Yeah, well, I am excited to have you back. I feel like, uh, it, first of all, it's been a long time, but it's it's great to have you back, and I really want to tack this book from... A different mindset because I felt like we should so Denise we live in a world of conflict I feel and I feel that our communication is always at conflict and there's a and it's a and by the way not all conflict is first bad all right but I think the problem is is that oftentimes in leadership and you're you know you've been awarded you know leadership in in you know for doing leadership um, and and one of the things that I often find is that when leaders are trying to communicate to their employees, they they what they're really trying to do is get their employees to do what they want to do, what they want them to do. And at the same time, there's the employee who says, I don't know that I want to do what you want me to do. <laughs> and we can get at a little bit of an impasse. So, and then there's a the personal life and you and I just talked before that. I so said, I'm married. I'm, I'm going to be married 25 years coming up and, you know, and it's awesome, but it's not always been perfect communicating wise. So how do we, how do we start approaching a, a place where as a leader, regardless of where, where that is, that we're at a place where the communications add a conflict? Where do we start?
1: I think that, first of all, conflict for a lot of people is a word they hate. Yeah. The experience is something they don't want. Yeah. And most people from my research are seriously conflict avoidant.
0: Mm.
1: Maybe 75 yeah. percent. Yeah. Here's here's the good news and the bad news. Conflict just is. It's inevitable. <laughs> it's literally inevitable you will have differences of opinion right. you will have different ways of thinking and feeling um, no matter how nice of a person you are right. so you get people together so the problem for people who want to avoid it at all costs is good luck
0: <laughs> 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 oh, that's so awesome okay let's let's take a situation and, and 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 let's let's utilize some of the tools that you've put together in this book, right? Let's say we're in a situation, uh, leadership. Um, there's there's a merger going on between two companies, and this merger is happening, and you've got you've got uh, a way that things have always been done around here, right? Kind of their culture, and this new company comes in that's taking over and is about to change the culture, and it's causing some Issues and the new the new CEO wants to get the other employees on board, but they're being resistant because they're about to go through a culture change. Where would that leader? What what should that leader be thinking about? Where should they start? Uh, because the current is going to be pretty fast here. Yeah. Well, I think um, some of us
1: have been in those situations, right, and. Right. The, you, often not seen it done well. Mm. So um, I haven't seen it done well that often. But you read case studies where it is done well, and I know how it could be done well. And a lot of it begins with a leader who's communicating. I mean, communication is um, the key to so many things. And a leader who is communicating who they are, what their vision is, where they're taking the organization, what's been good that they wanna keep, what are some of the things they're gonna shift. Um, it's hard to lead if no one's following. Right, right. <laughs> um, so you have to really develop that leadership vision Right. and get people on board. Right. And it may be that you do it in small focus groups, mm. um, one-on-one, an all hands meeting, but that is really going to be a key piece of getting people engaged and also listening to them. So in the Mm -hmm. small groups, it's really hearing where some of the challenges are Mm
0: -hmm. and really
1: being able to acknowledge them instead of steamroll through them Mm -hmm. because um, people have history with an organization. They care about that to completely throw out all of that is really not going to be that Easy for this new leader in terms of getting people on board.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to cut you off here, but I'm just thinking through something that you just kind of just triggered me and something you said in the book. I know that confluence is where two rivers meet. And I know this is not the perfect analogy because we're talking about a merger, but I, I can't help get rid of it. Because, and then you talk about listening because in that chapter you talk about listen with heart and curiosity. And so I start. Thinking through the biases that you talk about and having to be, I guess, being more self-aware. Can you can you dig, dig into there a little bit in this and case?
1: Are you still talking about the leader?
0: Yes. To yeah. Be- yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about that merger in terms of and that leader taking over another company where it, that is related to Chapter Two, where you're listening with heart and curiosity to make help make that change?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, think about this leader having a lot of people they need to influence Mm -hmm. in conversations we may be just talking to one person or a couple people so that leader has to be really aware of the culture that they're wanting and so there is a lot of listening and asking questions and not just saying this is my way or the highway um because People will, if they want to keep their job, they will follow, but they will follow very reluctantly and they will right. do whatever they can to sabotage. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in the long run, you really haven't gotten buy-in.
0: And and there's this thing that you talk about in this chapter that I think all of a sudden applies to this um, as I'm developing this out, and it's perspective taking. And you have four perspectives, listening to self, I perspective, we perspective, and it perspective. How would those fit in into our um, example, the listening I, we in it?
1: Well, the I perspective is, is, is really the work that we're doing with ourselves. What do I think? What do I believe? How do I feel? What do I want? It's, it's really doing some reflection mm-hmm. on that and getting really clear maybe why it's important for you. And that's some work that we need to do with ourselves. Maybe with a partner as a listening partner, um, but if we just stay with that and then focus and push, we can kind of um, see what kind of results we're going to get. The I, the I perspective, which we often see out there, this is my way, mm-hmm. is not going to be that helpful. So the we is when we get into dialogue, like and asking questions and listening, mm-hmm. like. What will it take? Or how can we make these changes work? Or what are some suggestions you have to get people on board who maybe are resistant? Or there's a whole range of kind of conversations that move into the we Mm. um, that are really important. So, you know, I like to think when you're in the we conversation, you're standing next to each other. Mm. You're not across from each other. You're really looking out at the horizon and at the horizon is sort of the it, like the, it is like, okay, here are the issues that why we need to make the change. This is what's going on in our company. This is what's going on in the industry. Mm -hmm. These are all kinds of reasons that we have kind of decided we need to do X, Y, Z Mm -hmm. and they're hopefully data. That's what the it conversation is. It's like really specifics and concrete, and so those all those conversations become really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, if we just talked about the we, but you never gave any of your feelings or your thoughts, that's not enough. If we just talked about the it conversation, here's here's the data, here's the reason, but we never got into how I feel, how you feel, what there's not. It's not enough. And so that's why I, I think those perspectives all come together to become a much richer, engaging conversation.
0: Yeah, I, I, when you talk about the I, we, and the it, so simple, so practical, and yet we have to, ha- and we can't do, you can't just have one. You really do have to have all three constructively to make it work. And and that's, that, that's what... I think we miss most often is, right? I mean, we, we do have to have all three.
1: You know, it's a good little diagnostic, really, mm. when you think about it. Mm. Because, it, you know, I've never actually talked about this with anybody quite like you and I are talking about it right now, but um, especially with the example you're giving, Right. but you can begin to see where things have gone awry.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, like what's getting missed. Yeah. You know, and I think this eyepiece is really important. People really need to hear how someone is thinking mm-hmm. and feeling. Yeah. This is how I've thought it through. And this is why I'm making these decisions that I'm making. Right. And this is what I'm concerned about if we don't do it.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, powerful. It is powerful. And the more I kept thinking about it, you know, especially as i was trying to apply it to different situations i was doing the same thing you did i had that aha moment <laughs> with it going you know it's really a very simple but yet pragmatic and practical piece here am i in am i using all three of these perspectives is it the i we and the it because i got to have them i got to have all three and if i'm not if i'm not achieving all three of them i am not communicating
1: well, you're not communicating well.
0: well. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I'm not communicating effectively, right? Yeah, I just I just love that. I love that part of it. Her name is Denise Blank. The book is entitled River Logic Tools to Transform Resistance, Create Flow, and All of Our Relationships. We're just getting started. Uh, you're going to enjoy more of her, I promise, because we're going to be dealing with these type of examples all throughout the show. You're listening to her here on a new direction hey folks epic physical therapy whether you're recovering from an injury surgery suffering everyday aches and pains having difficulty performing daily activities maybe a professional athlete looking to just improve Uh, How you move and feel. Uh, The elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment program that is just for you. When you're looking for your Epic Relief, your Epic Recovery, and Epic Results, go to EpicPT.com. That's e-p-i-c-p-t.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for more than 38 years helping people transition in life. Whoa, Jay. I thought you said that they were real estate people. They are. But think about it. You know, when it comes to transitions in life... Right? Every place you've ever moved, it's been a life transition. It has. Well, they've helped thousands of people being able to make that life transition smoother. Right, Help take some of the stress out and and make the process easier. So when you're ready for your next life transition, you want to reduce the stress in that transition. The people who are, they really do know their business. When it comes to your life and the housing industry, go to Lindacraft Team and Realtors. It's lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A. C R A F T dot com. And we're back here on a new direction uh, with uh, my friend Denise Blank, her book, River Logic Tools to Transform Resistance and Create Flow in All of Our Relationships. Uh, The the reason, Denise, I used this example of a merger is because I feel like every relationship we have is a merger. So that, like, you know, even as, as you and I are developing our relationship, it's a merger. You know, you bring in your own set of ideas. I'm bringing in my own set of ideas. How do we communicate that effectively? Are we good at it? Do we need to improve on it? You know, what what, what do I need to do? What do you need to do? How do we need to make that happen? But that also applies to businesses because so often new leadership takes over. Well, that's, that's a transition that acts like a merger because all of a sudden a new leadership comes in and there's a culture shift or a culture change. And that makes things difficult. And I start thinking through your book here Right, and you know maybe we're at an impasse, right? Uh, and you know you talk about chapter three. You look for more, look look for and move through openings, right? And 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 you you start and I start thinking about this in terms of okay, I've got this, I've got this new group of people. I'm a new CEO, or you know I, maybe as part of this merger, and I got to find some way to reach them, right? Because The merger is going to happen whether we like it or not. But the truth of the matter is I really do need them in order to be successful. And so when you think about, you know, moving through openings and you start by talking about it's a mindset um, that we have to, that in terms of mindset, you say people fall and tend to fall on opposite poles. So how do we adjust our mindset and be able to start Finding the little cracks and and the little areas that we can navigate this this issue where we're, you know, we've got a big we've got a big communication thing that we got to get through. Where do we start?
1: And when you're talking about we, you're talking about we as a leader. Yes,
0: we as leader. Uh
1: Okay. Um. Well, I I we start we start with people because people are going to make it or break it and. So, who are some of maybe the the people who are the early adopters
0: mm-hmm. and
1: maybe the influencers that you can get on board? Um, you know, some people need to dip their toe in the water. They're not going to make the changes really quickly. So it's going to take maybe more. You know, we've talked. I don't know. I'm sure you've done work about bridges change cycle. And yeah, yeah. People come on quick. Some people, it's going to take a while but it's back to what I think is like, how do we influence? And how do we, how do we share um, our vision and sort of paint it so that other people can see it? And, you know, there may be, I used to teach presentation skills a lot, and we would talk about um, some people are, need pathos. You know, they need a lot of emotion and that sways them. Other people need logos. They need logic. Mm. You know, they need, okay, this is why. This is the specifics. And then other people, and it's really, you know, p- p- some people need all of that. But the ethos, like why it, it, why it's so important, the ethical mm. part of it. So that the pathos, logos, ethos, you know, are going to sway different types of people. Mm. But that's really what we need to learn how to do in terms of influence and and as I said, I think it's really sometimes conversations, maybe one conversation at a time that happens.
0: What about a mind, the mindset piece? I mean, from both perspectives, not just the leadership perspective of what their mindset needs to be, but even maybe the employee mindset, you know, because we're at, you know, we're a little at odds here you know, our cultures to change. What do we need to do with our mindset and how do we go about changing that?
1: So in my book, I talk about the the pull of optimism, pessimism, you know, there's realism, but the new word that I was sharing in our last talk was this idea of being a possibilist right. and that idea that there are possibilities that we can begin to see mm-hmm. that allow us to move down that kind of more optimistic framework mm-hmm. and If we can't share, leader, what some of those possibilities are, Mm. you know, people can just stick, you know, get stuck in their position. Mm. I notice as a mediator, I haven't been doing it in a while, but I did many mediations. And one of the things that would happen is people arrive very stuck in their position and you can they're just. They are solid like a rock Mm -hmm. and they often are sitting away from each other, hardly looking at each other. The tension in the room is palpable. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm always fascinated by is watching some of the movement. And it usually comes when people, the way a mediation works is one person in their party gets to talk without being interrupted and they share how they've seen the situation. The other person just can take notes. And then then the other person gets their turn. And then we have them talking to each other. But one of the things that often happens in a mediation is you realize there's been a lot of misunderstandings of what is going on. And when people can begin to realize that they hadn't seen the situation quite right, other people, they'd misunderstood the other person. There's like more clarity. Then you can start to see some movement happening. People starting to shift off their position a little bit. Okay, well, I can see that when well, maybe we can do this or something that they were so hard and fast about all of a sudden shifts a little bit. So I, I think it, it goes back to the conversation. We have to begin to understand each other and where we're each coming from.
0: Yeah, I... There's something that you said in this book that I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, because it is a negotiation at the end of the day where we are negotiating terms. Uh, when in every conversation is a negotiation, I, I believe, you know, we're negotiating something we're either trying to get our point across or somebody's trying to get their point across or, you know, we're at odds with somebody, but it's, it's, we're negotiating something. I believe you, you have, uh, there's this subtitle you have in this chapter, Uh, three which was the mother of all interventions and you have these three steps listen emphatically uh, empathetically sorry Uh, well emphatic is a good idea too Uh, listen empathetically validate emotion and add and and it's three simple little tools that you know if we're in that situation whether we're leader or an employee these three things I think would be a beautiful thing to practice did i miss it
1: no that's i'm so glad you brought it up actually because it is the mother of all interventions because it really works so when you think about listening empathetically that means how if you were them how would you feel mm-hmm. so sort of really trying to do that really ton, tuning in not it's different than just thinking me 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 as right. you're listening right I'm thinking them, I'm feeling them. Okay. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of upsetness. And then the validate part is, is what about their position actually makes sense? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I could see why you would feel that if that happened, if that happened to me, I might feel the same way. That makes sense. That particular step you, you can watch it in real time and watch how the temperature just comes down mm. when you do that.
0: Right, right, right. Right. And then and, add, add and.
1: The and is now that you've validated, you can add a piece. And here's, here's what else. You know, I understand how you feel about that. And this is what was going on for me, why I, I made that choice. You're adding your piece on, they're more likely to listen. The and is more available now than it was before. Mm. Once yeah. you empathized, validated. Now they're they're willing to listen and you can you can share mm. a different perspective, perhaps. Yeah. Or add on to what they've said and yes, that and
0: Yeah, I love that. And, you know, that's, you know, it's, I think sometimes we want to use the word but instead of and. And, and, and because, but that doesn't, it doesn't work nearly as well as and, right? Especially in a VUCA world, right? You know, in well, a on Circuplex and Biggest World.
1: There's the reason why. When you do but, You've just negated everything they said. Right,
0: right, 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 Right. exactly.
1: So if you want somebody to be defensive, just do but, but, but. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. That's true. You can't be defensive without, yeah. Wow, that's good. Yeah, and what a powerful three-letter word. The both of them are powerful three-letter words, but one works more positively and the other one doesn't. It works more defensive, creates defensiveness. That's good. That's good. That's just simple, right? To conjunctions, right? This, this is the power of conjunctions, right?
1: And I share in my book the example of improv, because yeah. if you've ever taken improvisation, it's mm-hmm. it's the core component of improv. So whatever somebody's saying, you don't negate it. You just add, you just add with and mm-hmm. whatever crazy thing they say and and you add your piece right and it gets kind of hilarious right? Um, but it's a great practice
0: right right in, in, in chapter 4 uh, which is entitled discover the path of least resistance uh, I, I want to jump down to uh, change creating the change and you say here the best approach to interrupt unhealthy patterns begins with a pause and the pause principle and so in our situation here, where we've got this merger and you got this new leader and you've got these people from this other company, who you know the culture is about to change, how is the pause? What are we doing with a pause that can help make that change happen?
1: I mean, I'm not a leader, and I don't know what the situation is because right. this is just a theoretical. Yeah, 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 but yeah,
0: yeah. it's just supposed to be but, fun. You
1: know, the thing the thing is, the pushing forward. No matter what,
0: yeah,
1: is often what happens. Yeah. But slowing it down rarely happens and needs to happen maybe more. And you know, sometimes the situation doesn't allow for that. Right. But there can be the so when I think of a pause, I'm talking about three breaths, you know, in a conversation. Sure. In a situation like that, could you take a little bit of time? I'll give you an example of something that's happening to me right now. Sure. I am about to roll out a program. We, I have a small team. This is around um, a culture change for an organization. And we have come up with an academy, like a year long thing that was going to start in September with the first program. We got some really hard feedback from people of color who were just beyond angry, that there were really no people of color who were facilitating this program. And they were very strong in their feedback. Mm-hmm. And we decided their feedback was so important that we need to stop the press. Mm-hmm. So even though we were we were gonna start next month, we've decided to pause it and to actually take it in hope to do some repair with some of these people, sure. but also really actively look for um, some other facilitators to add on to. And the feedback was is so important sure. that we we don't feel like we can be successful unless we 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 take it in. And so that's just what's going on is as intense and radical as it feels to do that
0: right. well, you you make a point that, and this is where I think, change where leadership and also if i'm an employee in this particular hypothetical situation we're going is that you you say this change is rarely rarely a linear process and yet as leaders we tend to want to force a linear process and it's anything but that right
1: yeah i mean this this whole thing about what does it mean to be a leader a leader has to realize that it's going to be the people who are going to actually make right. the changes happen.
0: Right. Right.
1: So how, how do we influence the people? Right. And if we can learn those skills, I think we'll have much better leadership.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think when I think about the linear, you know, linearity of it, you know, is that I think what often happens is, you know, leaders have this particular vision and they just see it as this straight line moving up. Right. And what happens is, is they don't prepare often that it's never going to be a straight line. There are going to be, have pauses and breaks. Things are going to break down and you have to prepare for that. And you have to know that things are going to move really, really fast. And then things are going to move really, really slow. And both sides have to be willing to accept that it's just not going to be linear. And that's, That's the part that, you know, when I was looking at this chapter again, as I started thinking through this scenario going, how often do we force linearity knowing that it's never going to be linear? Because have you ever been, have you ever been part of a company change or culture change where it was just straightforward every single time? I haven't.
1: Yeah, well I think when you involve people, things are messy. Things are messy (laughs) and we just don't like messes. Yeah, we don't. It is. It's yeah, it's not gonna be often easy, but the repair work, I mean, I think some of the best stories I have around challenging interactions with people are when it was messy and we could do the repair work. Right.
0: Yeah, but because doesn't doesn't the other side of that in your experience, when things are messy and you're able to work through it, isn't that, doesn't it actually make a better relationship than it was ever?
1: I I love the language of, I, I use the language instead of conflict resolution, conflict transformation. Yeah, Because I actually think that yes, you can transform a situation so right. that it's stronger as a result of having gone through things. Now, you're in a long-term marriage and you've gone through things. You, you know, not everyone makes it, you know, in long-term marriage. But if you can ride the waves together, you know, over time, you're more likely to hang in there for the long haul.
0: Yeah, I think, I think the one thing about, you know, being married for 25 years, and and I just think it's, this is relevant to what we're talking about, and that is, That I think we have developed a resilience muscle. That we're going to, that we're, you know, that there's going to be times when we're not going to be in agreement. But you know what? There is a solid foundation that says we're okay because we've been through, you know, other disagreements before and we come out on the other side absolutely still loving each other, you know. And I feel like though, it's those little things over the course of time that develop this resilience of being that we're still in this together, you know, nobody's quitting here, nobody's giving up. And I think the same thing can apply, you know, depending on how you do this and correct me if I'm wrong, but even in a business situation, the more that your team can go through together, I think, you know, when bigger challenges come, there there is greater hope for you being successful through and, trans- and what you call conflict transformation. At least that's how I see it. Do I got it wrong?
1: No, I don't see it wrong. I think there's just another piece to it. And, okay, I'd and love to hear the it. The other piece is we have to really care about what's going on with the other person. So what do they need that they're not getting? Right. How are they feeling?
0: Yeah.
1: And And being able to understand the needs and feelings allows us to be empathetic. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that, that we have a much better chance. And and that's really where the transformation happens anyway. Like, oh, there's, I was, you know, there's a, there's, this is a silly little thing, but I, there's a New York Times article that I was just reading, and it, it became a viral article. It was sort of like why my marriage um, fell apart because I didn't do the dishes. I don't know if you ever
0: I've never seen it, but I love it. Go ahead. But
1: it, it the, the there's like a a follow up. I remember seeing it a long time ago, and the follow up was this particular guy really reflecting on. It wasn't just that he didn't do the dishes. It was reflecting on the fact that his partner really wanted him to do that. And it wasn't a big ask. And the fact that he wouldn't do it again and again is what really destroyed, over time, their marriage. It's really poignant, really.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it really is. Right, and and it goes back to you know the opening thing that I open with, right? In that, you know, we talk about controlling our emotions but how well are we able to truly tap into and understand the emotions of another person and then take action on it? It seems so simple when it comes out of my lips, but it's not not that simple because you as a person have to be able to truly want to tap into the other person's emotional state. You have to truly want to understand it and then you're gonna you're gonna have to have some action that's gonna help change that. And and that's, by the way, that's not easy.
1: Well, it's not easy. It's not easy either way. It's not easy right. to understand our, how we're feeling because it's usually one, not one feeling. It's right. usually a lot of different feelings. Right. And it's not easy to understand somebody else. So the only way we can truly understand is by asking. Mm-hmm
0: beautiful yeah so simple so simple she's so simple right and yet so practical right just ask denise blank her book river logic tools to transform resistance create flow in all of relationships you're listening to her here on a new direction hey folks epic physical therapy uh my physical therapist i think they should be yours too by the way they offer the uh, most advanced top of the line equipment including the alter g anti-gravity treadmill the norma tech compression sleeves uh, the Game Ready, my favorite, that's ice and water compression all at the same time. They're trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping, that's just a few. When you're ready for your epic relief your epic recovery, epic results, just go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T dot and Linda Craft and Linda Craft Team Realtors for more than uh, 38 years uh, serving the world. Uh, helping them uh, sell and buy their home, make the life transition. Uh, they're independently owned and operated, unaffiliated with any national brand, so they know who the best real estate professional is in your area, regardless of what company they work for. If you want to know, if you're ready to sell a home, buy a home, and you go, who's the best person in my area, right? Well, she could tell you because she's made relationships with the best possible professionals, real estate professionals in your area. So when you're ready to sell, ready to buy, Talk to the person who knows. Talk to Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction with my friend Denise Blank, her book, River Logic, Tools to Transform Resistance and Create Flow in All of Our Relationships. And we're doing something a little bit different with this book. We're kind of using an example and kind of having fun. And I hope I hope you're having fun with it. It's kind of a mental challenge, but it's, it's kind of fun applying these principles in a, in a in a very different and practical way, I, I hope you're enjoying it, uh, at least Denise. I, I am. Well,
1: I, you know, it's it's a great day because I think if this is going to hold any weight, it's got to work, and I'm right. calling it principles because I think if you apply a principle, right, it should work.
0: Yeah, I I want to I want to take a look at something that you said in chapter five, open to influence, and it is uh, bridge building. And lessons learned from building bridges. And here's the practical pieces that stand out to me. Refrain from the binary. Listen to understand another's point of view. And realize that understanding does not mean agreement. Get to know people who are different from you. Listen actively and respectively. Refrain from blame. And you have a list of these. These are so practical. And the first one, refrain from the binary, is one of the most difficult things I believe in today's world that we struggle with when it comes to building bridges. If we're going to build a bridge between two people who don't think like we do, let's talk about refraining from the binary.
1: It's, it's the way we're wired. I mm. mean, most of us are wired this way. So it's in the air. We breathe the culture we live in. Right. So let's just say that. So to be able to start shifting is to become aware that rarely, is one thing completely right and the other completely not? Right. So there's multiple truths in the world. Mm-hmm. And so that that perspective really shifts how we can listen and talk to somebody. Like what is there in the other argument? We may not agree with most of it. Right. But is there a element that we can find some resonance with that we actually can go. Okay, I get that. Right. And that actually, that even if it's a very small piece, right, is right. really where that kind of commonality where we start to build the bridge.
0: Okay, okay. This is this is where I this is where I don't have a problem, but this is where I think people have a problem, and I'm speaking as a psychological professional now. Right, is because when we operate in a one or zero, a very binary, you know, we call it black or white, one zeros, whatever you want to call it. Whenever we eliminate gray area, while it we like it because it simplifies our life, because it's easier for us to do, but it's not reality. Getting us to shift out of the binary is critical. To the communication process, but I almost think psychologically it's one of the most difficult things for us to do because we are not comfortable in gray areas. What's your thoughts?
1: Well, yeah, no, I think, I think where where I it has to start with intention. We have to care right. enough that we're wanting to build a bridge and that we understand that we need each other to mm. s- get to X Y Z, you know, wherever yeah. we're going and with that kind of understanding, it may begin to soften some of that kind of unwillingness to mm. to look, you know, at some of the gray area. Without it, we're just rocks, like I say. Yeah, before. yeah. Just like, and we know where that goes, you know, and if it's in conflict, sometimes it goes to court,
0: right? Right, right, right.
1: right. And, and let the judge decide. Right. Let the jury decide.
0: Which brings me to point two that you make and listen to understand another's point of view and realize that understanding does not mean agreement. Why do you think this is so difficult for people that if they listen to a point of view that is not like theirs, that they feel like on some level, I mean, I have my own psychological idea of why they do this, but I want to hear your perspective. And why is it when people go, well, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm, I'm just not going to listen to that because- what do you, is there a fear that if they listen to another point of view that they've compromised themselves? What do you think it is when they say, because it's I, it's critical?
1: I think they're triggered. So mm. your nervous system is totally triggered. Mm. You're hearing something that maybe is against your values, everything you believe. And so your nervous system is now in the throes of the fight, flight, freeze, fawn response. And you are activated. You are so activated. So when you're activated, it's really hard to listen. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. hard to listen to another point of view. So there's a step that has to happen, which right. is how do you how do you regulate your nervous system? How do you find a way to come to some level of neutral so that you really can listen? Mm-hmm. And you know, I have some strategies that I, oh, that, sh- I do share, and that I share. Share. <laughs> I mean, the one we talked about, which is the the three breaths, is like your go to. You know, it can be there for you anytime, any place. It allows you to just begin to quiet your nervous system, so that pause. The um, other thing that I share is is a technique that I learned. I've learned it in a couple different ways, but I learned it, you know, when I was writing the book from one of the people I interviewed that is called self distancing, and the and And the the way it works is you start to notice you're completely triggered by what somebody's saying. So you're no longer listening. To yourself, you say, instead of like, why am I so upset? Or you shift to a third person and you, you just kind of look at yourself as, oh, Denise is really upset right now. You use third person. And what it does is it gives you a little bit of psychological distance from the immediate situation. In other kind of places, I've heard you get on the balcony and you look down, you're watching yourself. But the the same is true. You're you're giving yourself a little space so you're not just stuck in it. And you can listen to the person without that kind of trigger, Mm. um, which is really important if you want to actually be able to reflect what they said and and, and have them hear, know that they're being heard. Mm. So that's a technique that actually has to happen. But you mm. have to do something. And there's probably lots of other techniques yeah. in terms of being able to get your body to the point where you actually can listen.
0: And, and I'm going to jump from that to something that you say in chapter seven that just resonated with me as you were talking. And that is, I can hear somebody, I don't actually hear them. Um, by the way, just to let you know, I don't I'm not having anybody yell in my ear, but I can hear someone in the listening audience say to me, Denise, you don't understand. That's just the way I am. Okay. So, you know, now what are you gonna do? How do you <laughs> and you say this of course in chapter seven because you say it's called making the shift in section two. And you say to me, people will say, other that's just the way I am. And I hear this a lot when there's dis, di, differing opinions or when I will say to someone, go, you know, there's a better way to handle this situation, you know, if I'm coaching. You know, there's, you know, there's a better way to handle that. Well, that's just the way I am. What's your response to that?
1: I think you can change. I mean, if you want to. <laughs> yes. If you want to change, I think there's there's other ways of doing it. Yeah, there's lots of realities. I mean, right. if, if, I, I really... Like life is much more um, paradoxical than anything. And so that this idea of multiple things can be true at the same time is now not everyone can accept that. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think we're going to make anybody change. But I think that if we listen with a lot of respect and openness to somebody else. They are much more likely to do the same for us, mm. even people who are really like that, you know or who, who are tight and tough. There's a certain softening that happens and it right. may be much more work on your part, emotional labor. but it is possible.
0: Yeah, well, I think I think that the thing is when I hear somebody say, it's just the way I am, right? I've already found out if this. They've already told me that they have a closed mindset. You know, versus you know, and you know, Carol Dweck did so much work on open mindset, and closed mindset, and that m- meaning that it's. It, it, I'm sorry, I should say growth mindset versus fixed. Although she did that work too, um, because if you have a growth mindset, you're saying I can change. If you have a fixed mindset, you say I, not only can they not change, but you're saying. You're saying that you can't change either. Right? And so, so when we when we operate from a growth mindset, it's saying, okay, I've got some growing to do here. I, I don't have to agree with you, by the way, but I can grow and change and saying that's just not just the way I am. Because I'm always changing. And you talk about how important, you know, being in constant curiosity and learning is and growth. And I wonder if if it's it goes back to this mindset issue, if we're stuck in a fixed mindset when we say that of well, it's just the way I am, then there's no growth. Thoughts.
1: Yeah. So, are we getting an echo here? No, uh Okay. Yeah no I think that people people who um believe something is true we know it's pretty self fulfilling and right. if they they can be open to exploring it differently that's kind of where some of the possibilities lie right and we can't make people different no no and so i one of the things we haven't really talked about that i actually think is could be some of the secret sauce
0: Okay, let's see. I love secret sauces. Do it.
1: <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm hesitant to use the word, but it's it's really love. You know that we that there's a kind of I mean, and, and if love is too much, you know, it's just kind of appreciation or warmth or you know, seeing their best side or a pre- yeah, there's all that. But, People need to feel seen and heard and appreciated. And any way we can do that allows people to calm down and to soften themselves. And I I just feel like where we're at right now is all we see is like the we see them as evil. And, and, you know, when we start doing that, when we start doing that with condescension or sneering or, you know, we are we are activating um, what could end up being really like violence. I share about um, a book that really made a difference for me when I was researching this book was this book called High Conflict by Amanda Ripley, mm-hmm. and she she talks about conflict on a continuum, and she talks about people who are what she calls fire starters or the people who will incite that on one end, you know, who could be violent mm. and that the other side of conflict is where we're just trying to be better people. And we are not gonna, the, the, the fire starters are going to be really hard for us to oh, yeah. intervene with or navigate with, but there's lots of room on the other side of working with conflict. and. And in her book, she shares some incredible case studies of some of those people who were the fire starters right. and how they began to shift over time. And a lot of it had to do with empathy, you know, understanding yeah. somebody else. They're very powerful examples.
0: Yeah. Well, we're out of time. Um, but I think just to to hammer in on the point, um, as um, I have Bob, who's been typing in questions Um, you know, I don't think anybody's telling you to ever think that you have to think like someone else. I don't think that's what we're ever saying on this. I think the bottom line is I have to listen if I expect any sort of change into influence. Right. But I think what we want to do is we so often want to go, I don't think like you, you know, and I don't want to think like you. So we're not having a conversation and we close it off. And that's not the point. The point is, how can I get someone who doesn't think like me that we can still be productive down the road? And I think that's what you're saying, too, is that we don't have to think the same and we can still be tremendously productive.
1: Absolutely. And I think the key might be just stay in relationship, yeah. stay in relationship, Yeah. even yeah. when it's rocky.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know what? You've been awesome again. T- tell people how they can get a hold of you
1: the best way uh is to get on my website which is riverlogictools.com and once a month maybe sometimes every two months i'm giving some river logic tips so there's some content and if you want to check out my book you can get a few of the chapters for free you can just download it and so you can see if it actually lands for you
0: yeah so well it it, it landed again i thought again I thought it landed really, really well. I really enjoyed you again, having you on the show. Um, I thought it was awesome. Uh, folks, listen, this is the show. You know, I say to you every week, you control of three things, your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency, right? I know that situations can be difficult. You can be in tough circumstances, but you can always control your attitude. You can always control your excellence. That's your effort. And you can always get back up again because it's up to you. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest it's going to be another great book it's going to, mean it's going to be another great show it's inevitable and you know, before I go you know what I want to say thank you to all of you out there who listen to the show uh, watch the show on DBTV or listen to the show by podcast you people on YouTube and, and Bob you on, on uh, LinkedIn give us a thumbs up and you know what as I say to you all over the world you know what it is ciao things ever. are going to change you can find the strength to go a different way Your dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength Don't worry anymore A new direction